Uh, a couple of other things that came out since the last time that we spoke. For one, we know that veteran point guard is a top priority for the Rockets. And I, I feel like we've known that for a while. But we've got this list out here. Um, I think this is our friend Kelly Eco from The Athletic who mentions. There's actually a couple of reports that I want to run by you. But the first one is where Kelly mentions that acquiring a veteran point guard is Houston's primary objective, which means that even if the move for Harden doesn't materialize, names like Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Dante DiVincenzo, and even former Rockets player Chris Paul could be considered should they become available. Um, he also mentioned earlier in the piece that other high-ranking targets for Houston included Brooke Lopez, Dylan Brooks, uh, Cam Johnson, and Austin Reeves. Um, let's start with that list of point guards. And you can actually go in any direction that you want. But um, but since veteran point guard is the top priority, and we did a little bit of version of, of this, I think, in the last episode of non hardened targets that they can make but do, do any of these names excite you at all or interest you at all the mike conley jordan clarkson dante divincenzo and the most familiar and, and oldest chris paul um i don't really consider probably like half of those guys to even be point guards necessarily like yeah that's fair i i don't think of dante divincenzo as a point guard i don't I, you know I don't think of Jordan Clarkson necessarily as a point guard. They're they're not, to be fair. Yeah, they're they're, so they're I, flat out I not. So I, I cross those two off the list. Well, I, I wouldn't cross off DiVincenzo because I do think, you know, Clarkson's a scorer. I don't really think that's an area that the Rockets really need at this point. So I would cross him off. DiVincenzo's interesting because he, he you know, he's can play defense. He can play downhill a little bit. He can shoot it a little bit. So I, I wouldn't necessarily cross him off. Um Conley, I don't see that happening. I it seems like he's just going to go to Minnesota. He's just going to stay there because they can, you know, they have bird rights on him, and he seemed to play. They they seem to play really well once he got there. So that would seem to be very unlikely. Uh, it's not a horrible idea though. Um, he's a professional and he understands how to run an offense, and that's an area that this team could really use. And you know, it's it's not any sort of a, a long term type of commitment. Um, Chris Paul is interesting again because he gives them something that they don't have but it didn't exactly end well here the last time so like i, I certainly get if phoenix wanted to try and trade him and if they did some sort of a three-team deal you know the rockets could take paul into into the cap space but i, I can't imagine he would have any interest in that you know it, it he, he's been playing on a team that um went to the finals two years ago it finished with the best record in the nba last year they have kevin durant now this year i can't see him like oh hey yeah i'm just gonna go back to houston and i'm gonna play for an owner that i don't really like and who was who you know probably a little disrespectful to him uh back when he signed the extension back when he was with the team so i can't imagine that that's a reunion that he would welcome so i so those names they all seem very unlikely at this point of the of the point guards that you mentioned yeah, and, and I do think I, I would just mention 
Chris Paul. So I, I find them all interesting and, and all to be players that could help the team. I think I think Jordan Clarkson is somewhat like he is right now, probably a better maybe a better Kevin Porter Jr. But I, I kind of see Kevin Porter Jr. being Jordan Clarkson or something like that. Yeah. You know, he's so a I don't, six man. He's a perfect guy to have come off your bench. Yeah. And give you a scoring boost. And I yeah. think as, as we've talked about a few times now, not just since the season ended, but during the season, like Kevin Porter Jr. would be really good in that role of coming off the bench and giving your offense some juice. So yeah, I, that, that seems like you said, uh, that, that one seems to be a little redundant for me. Yeah. But Dante DiVincenzo does interest me in this way. Like say we go along the train of thought of Kevin Porter Jr. Becoming this spark plug off the bench. I wouldn't mind if they were, and this wouldn't be as good as as having like say James Harden, Chris Paul, or Mike Conley, right? Experienced, accomplished point guards. Okay, those those would all be you know preferable options. But let's say you were to do some combination of either one of those guys, one of those veteran guys, or draft a point guard because that's that's out there, right? That's going to be available to them at the, with the number four pick if they end up picking there. They could do that, and then pair him like, and, and then if you if you got Jalen Green and Dante DiVincenzo. I actually like him in some kind of role. Like, and I don't know what the money looks like for Dante DiVincenzo. And there were times, honestly, in these playoffs with the Warriors where they could have stood to, to have gotten more out of him. But I mean, he's a champion. I think he brings, like, obviously brings experience, brings some shooting, and brings some things that I feel like that they that they don't have. So like I would be down with DiVincenzo if you were also getting an actual point guard to go with it. You know, that would that would make more sense to me. Um, he's a career 36% shooter from three. He almost shot 40% from three this year. So that obviously would be a huge help. Um so yeah, it's not it's not a bad idea. Um in a sense though. You're kind of well. I guess you could say they probably already have given up on Josh Christopher, but that would seem to be his role. That you're so. I mean, would you rather have Divincenzo at whatever that salary is, or would you rather you know run it back another year with Josh Christopher and maybe give him another opportunity? Um, they got to win. They got to win this year, Adam. They yes, gotta, true. They, I mean, they can't. I mean, this is the experiment. That's the big thing now. I mean, it's the it's the huge thing. It's like the experiment is over with. But here, here's here's my thing with that, and I totally get it. And this is a conversation that we probably need to have somewhere down the road. Like, is, is it worth sacrificing develop? You know, is, is it worth you know maybe speeding up the clock a little too fast just because you're terrified of, of losing of losing of giving up a high pick? But would you? Is it worth overpaying somebody like Dante DiVincenzo because you're terrified of? what your pick next year might wind up being like they could sign Dante DiVincenzo like no question but what is that getting you exactly is that getting you to is that getting you from is that getting you over the top of making the playoffs does that you know if if you're going to make the that type of a splashy move or to you know overpay somebody like that I I think it's got I think there's got to be a result that's going to get you a little bit more and as much as you want to worry about the pick that you go to Oklahoma city and it's important, like no doubt it's important. And I, I do think that it, it does mean that you have to speed things up maybe a little bit more than you want to. But I think at the same time, you still have to be smart about where you're allocating your resources to. Um, 
and I'm not saying that Dante DiVincenzo would not be a smart way to allocate your resources, but you always have to keep that in the back of your mind. Like, okay, you know, we're not, you know, if you're the Rockets, you can't say, okay, we, we got 22 wins last year. We got to get to 40. Okay. How are we going to get to 40? And so I just think you have to be smart about who you're looking at and who you're signing. Like that's why the Harden thing makes sense because yeah, with Harden, it would be an overpay, but that raises your, that raises your floor quite a bit. I think that we would both agree that would raise your floor a significant amount, but do some of these other guys, do they raise the floor in the same way? Like, are they getting you from 22 wins to 30 wins or are they getting you from 22 wins to 41 wins? Because that's ultimately, that's kind of the goal. Yeah. Well, and that's why I mentioned pairing it with something else like that. Like, it's not like, Hey, sign Dante DiVincenzo and Hey, that, and Hey, that'll fix it. Like that. That's not what anybody would say, but, but I think along with what you're saying, the other side of it is also weighing the opportunity cost of investing in a particular player or a group of players for however long, like you, you have to decide how long is it worth it to invest in this player and, you know, and to, to what degree he's going to be like, what, like, what am I waiting for? Exactly. Like, like with Jalen green and Alperin Shingoon, for example, those are guys that it feels like is it's worth waiting a few years for, because you can see them being, elite play you know like that you can see elite potential within them like they've got some elite traits so it's like hey if we wait on this this guy could be a star but like with josh christopher how long like just as as an example it could be dacian nicks it could be any of the other guys that have had ups and downs and mostly downs in their tenure with you know their short couple of years here with the rockets like how long do you invest in a guy like that at the cost of not investing in somebody that can help you win now like you're waiting on him to develop into what exactly you know like the guy that you would basically be overpaying right now anyway um that could help you win more games now so i feel like they've got a way that like i I mean i was watching a couple of days ago the we were at this guy i feel like we sat next to each other at this game the the Kings game right before the trade deadline when Eric Gordon fouls De'Aaron Fox at the end of the game and Jalen Green went off that game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was just, uh, yeah, I think he went off for 41 that game. And Josh Christopher was in the game and I'm watching and I'm like, man, you know, I like his energy and, you know, he's obviously was drafted for a reason, but how long are they going to be able to have players like that on the team? How long are they going to be able to give minutes, valuable minutes that actually develop players like that? How long are they going to actually be able to do that? And what is the cost of that? And can they can, can they still afford to do it? I feel like last year and the year before they could afford to do it. Now it just feels a lot more costly when you consider what's at stake and what they have in front of them. They've got the money to, to spend. They've made all of these draft picks, you know, uh, Free agency is right in front of them right here. You know, like it just, it seems like, you know, it's it like I said, it, it just seems like the experimental time is over with. And now you've got to go with, hey, these are the, these are the guys that we are still developing, not finished products. You know, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Alper Shingun, Tari Eason, far from finished products, but we're investing in those guys. And we believe by the time those guys are in year three and year four, they'll be whatever they are. And, and some of these, you know, projects, the Garubas of the world, 
the Josh Christophers of the world, you know, love their energy, but you know, you know, we got to start filling those roster spots with guys that can actually help you win games. Yeah, and I think that I've probably been one of the harsher critics of Josh Christopher over, you know, the last year or so. Um, but I think this is where, and, and I, I I would really like to know from Rafael Stone, like how much does the Oklahoma City trade, how, how much does that like just altering the course of what you're trying to do now? Because I think you look at it and you say, okay, we won 20 games two years ago. We won 22 games last year. Ordinarily, you're just going to let this thing grow. And you have all these first-round picks. You want to let them grow a little bit. But because of the Oklahoma City trade and because of what they owe in the future, which is not normal, you know, that's not a normal, uh, that's not normal when it comes to this sort of stuff. It feels like that that changes the whole equation of of how they look to do this. Well, can I, I, can can I add, not to interrupt, can I add to that? I Uh think it's, I think it's two things. It's that trade. And then the most recent development of not getting a top three pick. I like I like I also wonder if if they would have felt differently about how like like maybe they care less about how things play out next year if they've got one of those guys obviously Victor Wimbanyama I don't think that they care about anything else if they get Victor Wimbanyama to hell with the picks to hell with whatever if you get him but even with Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller if they get one of those three players I feel like at the very least they feel like they have a nucleus they can feel good about and maybe not care as much about not being rewarded for failure. Yeah, well, for sure. And the other aspect of it is, okay, you could, and this kind of is what Sacramento did last year where they wound up with the fourth pick. They didn't necessarily need Jaden Ivey. So they went with the high floor guy in Keegan and Keegan Murray, who really filled a need for them. And so that he was able to get on the floor, he started for them last year, and he helped them win, you know, fifty whatever games, whatever. Yeah, it he's going to be really good too, by the way. Yeah, but you you look at this with the Rockets, and they wind up at four. They're in a completely different spot from Sacramento. So do you, if you're them, say, hey, let's take a guy at four who's going to help us right away, even though the ceiling might be lower, or do you say, okay, we'll take the guy with the higher ceiling, even though he's not going to help us win at all this year. This is a game. This is a year where we need to win. So I think that's where they are in such a difficult spot with this, because I think that, you know, one of the Thompson twins would really help them not necessarily for this next season, but they are probably the more talented of those guys who you would be picking, you know, at four, but somebody like Anthony black, who, while the ceiling is lower, he would probably help them win more games next year or the Taylor Hendricks kid from central Florida. You know, he's kind of a different player, but he could probably step in right away and help them win games next year. That would probably be better for them for the 2023-2024 season, but is that the right decision for them for the five years after that? And I think that's the decision that they have to weigh. It's like, okay, are we worried more about this next season or are we worried about the handful of seasons that come after? Because when you're picking four, to me, you should, at least in the position that they're in, and the position that they're in is they've been one of the worst teams in the league the last three years. They're coming off a 22-win season. They need to be looking at the guy who is going to be best down the road as opposed to the guy who's going to be best in the immediate future. And I think because they owe that pick to Oklahoma City, it feels like to me they are going to wind up going with the guy who is going to be best in the immediate future. And I think that that is probably a mistake. But we'll see. We'll see how that ends up. Yeah, man, I'm – 
I don't know. I'm, I'm stumped by that because I, I, I feel like, I feel like the I'm sorry. I feel like the immediate future play. If I can talk today, I feel like the immediate future play is obviously free agency. You know, like I, I agree with you that it would be a mistake. I don't understand why they would do that. You know, and I know you just kind of laid it out, but that doesn't. That doesn't make sense, especially with that fourth pick. I mean, you might as well go upside. If that's what I would do. I mean, if you if you've got to make that pick, you should go upside regardless of position or whatever it is. Like, go upside. Who do you think is going to be the best dude out of the ones that are left over to you, and pick that guy no matter where he plays on the court. That's what I. And especially in today's game, where it's somewhat of a positionless is probably not the right word that people use. But there's like it's more so like more, there's probably more than five positions. You know, it's like a multitude of positions that you've got out there. You you just need really, really good basketball players with high upside. And the immediate play feels more like the like we're talking about here, the veteran point guard priority. All right. Well, go get the best free agent that you feel like you can get. That's probably James Harden as a, as uncomfortable as that might be for some people who are listening is as, a, as uncomfortable as that might be. He's probably the best guy out there. Um, other options like like if Mike Conley was an option, I think Mike Conley would be great for this team. I think he would be excellent for this team. The professionalism and the experience. Like, I, I think he would command respect instantly. Like, I think he would be great for this team. I just. I'm I'm with you. I don't think that that's really in play. Uh, Chris Paul the same way. It's kind of it's really unfortunate that you know the that Chris Paul would be somebody that you know out of the two, out of him and James Harden, that he would be the one that you don't feel like there's a you know like the like the bridge is burned there, so to speak. Like you know, like you don't feel like you could reach out and have him come back. Um, so so to me, the the obvious play is to you know, it's to it's to draft for best player available and the guy that can that has the the highest upside. You know, like I, that. And to me, that guy should also, you know, in theory, be able to help you. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, and that he's able to help you early, like it, like it, as soon as possible, like a like a Keegan Murray, uh, Keegan Murray for you. You know, like to me, that just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you could sign Harden sign a couple other guys in free agency and then use, you know, that fourth pick as the guy who comes in and takes over once Harden leaves, you know, you could go sign Harden draft Amon Thompson at four and, you know, Harden is not going to play all 82 games. So he, he's able to get his feet wet a little bit in, in the games that Harden doesn't play. Maybe he gets some G league time here or there, but then whenever Harden is done, he just hands the baton over to Amon Thompson. Like to me, that would probably be the right play, at least for them. But free agency, it's going to be really important. And the tough part about this whole thing is that you have to go to the draft first. You know, the NFL, it's it's uh, free agency, then draft. With the NBA, it's draft and then free agency. But my guess is that they'll have a pretty good idea of what Harden's plans will be um, once the draft does come around. But they are, to me, they're in a really difficult spot. And um, the lottery certainly wasn't kind. Um, did not go the way that they wanted. But I, I think a lot of, as much as we're talking about guys that they might add 
uh, whether it's through the draft or through free agency, the key is going to be the guys that are already on the roster getting better because that's the best way to win more games is for the guys that you already have to develop, get better, and you hope that they produce more. And that hopefully you would hope that that has some extra wins baked into it. And then whoever you add on the other side, that that helps out also. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, but as someone who wants good things to happen for the team, like immediately after the lottery and the way it played out, like my focus and attention and excitement level immediately went to Jalen Green and Alperin Shingoon and Tari Eason and, and the player and Jabari Smith and the players that they've already drafted and the idea that they could develop and become better. They're young, inexperienced. J- Jalen and Alperin are obviously, obviously, uh, they do have some experience now, right? Like they, they are two years and in going into year three, um, but a new coach and all of that. I'm like, hey, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that I'm really sort of more so excited about and, and fixated on going into this year and how Ime Udoka is able to develop that young talent. But I want to get out of here on this while we're talking about the veteran point guard priority and been talking about James Harden, Keith Pompey at the Philadelphia Inquirer reported last week that when the Rockets were doing their head coaching interviews, when they were interviewing head coaching candidates, they asked them during the interview process for their opinion on coaching James Harden. Um, I don't know. I guess we could have maybe figured that given their level of interest, but I, I want to get to this part with hard. Like, first of all, I'd, I'd love to know what you think about, about that, about them asking about their opinion on a guy that, uh, you know, presumably was still playing even at the, at the time. Like, I, and I guess you, maybe you have to, I don't know. You can tell me, but it's funny they asked Sam Cassell about it. Was that like, oh, since he's oh, actually coaching Harden? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that would, that would actually been hilarious. Like, so tell us, tell us really, do you like this guy? Or do you have to do you have to MF him every other day? Um, but but here's here's the thing I want to get to. The contract, the four years. I'm really curious to see how this plays out, Adam. I have no idea. I have no insight on this. But it feels like like are the Rockets gonna be the ones with the appetite to give him a four-year deal at the max? Like it feels like the smartest play for anybody would be to pay him on a two-year deal. And he seemed to have an appetite to do that, like to do a a shorter deal than the past. I don't know if he does now, but that just seems like the smarter play for a team with James Harden. It's really the basis of, and I didn't think about it as much like this because we just get into talking about the basketball side of it. and, And, you know, I think a little bit less about the business side, but it really is the basis of, accepting this hardened thing for me i'm having a really tough time myself and i'm on the same page as you adam on all the ways in which Harden could help this team but four years at the max man like it seems like what i'm getting at is it seems like philly's reluctant to do it based off of the reporting and the chatter that i'm hearing it feels like philly's reluctant to do the four years and i would think that the rockets would be too where where are you at on these on this idea that he could get four years at the max for the level of player that he is today? Honestly, I don't think Philly has a choice. Um, I, I think that they have to, to go there just because they have a team with 
the MVP, you know, they have the MVP of the league on the roster. And if you lose Harden, you're screwed. Like, let's just, you, you, you don't have the ability to replace him. Um, and, and so you're essentially just punting on the rest of the Embiid years. And that is obviously a huge mistake. That's what, so to me, I don't think the Sixers have any choice. Um, especially if the Rockets signal that they're going to do it, you know, so if, you know, Harden could say, Hey, Houston's offering me two. If you don't offer me more than that, I'm leaving. Then Philly has to offer him more. I don't think that they have a choice. If I'm the Rockets, I don't want to do four years. No, of course not. I think that would be bad for business. I think that that would be bad business for them to give him four. But at the same time, like we've been saying, they got to get better. So, like, are you willing to, if you're serious about wanting to get better, you might not have a choice either. So it's the whole two-year, four-year aspect and the contract, you know, I think that's where it becomes difficult. And if you're hardened, you've got to hold out for everything you can get because this is it. This is your last payday. And remember, he's lost money. Um, the Rockets offered him, you know, what, what I think it was two years, 101, when he, when he asked for the trade. So he would have made what 50 million last year in the, which would have been the first year of that contract. And he made what, I think it was 38. So he lost 12 right there. And he's not going to be able, you know, the, the max contract doesn't start at 50. So he's going to lose money again. So if you're him, like, this is it. He got to try and make that up. And I think that he always just assumed when he turned down that extension from the Rockets uh, back in 2020, that the money would just always be there. And it just hasn't been. So um, I think ultimately Philly will give in and give him the four years and then they'll get that done. Um I don't know. And and then if you're the Rockets, you kind of get taken off the hook. Like if Philly's willing to offer the four years, then the Rockets don't really have to offer the four years because one team already has, and they'll just take that, you know, because Philly can offer more um, because of the escalators in the contract. So I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do four if I'm either team, but Philly, you have to, if the Rockets, I guess you'd kind of reluctantly do it just to try and get better for next year and to get the guy back on the roster and to help your basketball team get better, at least for the next couple of years. But yeah, it wouldn't be necessarily, it's not something that I, that I'd want to do. And we just, we've kind of seen how these contracts age badly because they just had the wall contract and, you know, wall was what 32 and they could not, they couldn't get off of it. And so they just wound up having to buy him out eventually. Yeah, man, this has been a difficult one for me to decide who has leverage, if anybody. Like, I just can't, I've had a tough time pinning it down because out of these three parties between the Sixers, the Rockets, James Harden, it feels like everybody needs the other interested party. You know, like <laughs> everybody needs everybody here. So it's hard for me to decide and settle on who it is exactly who's got leverage. 